lead us in worship again. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. What a beautiful, beautiful song. There was a similar song written by Dottie Rambo. Anybody know who Dottie Rambo was? And the title of it was Holy Spirit, Thou Art Welcome. And she said the reason she wrote that song was because she had attended worship one Sunday morning in the coldest church she'd ever been in in her life. And out of that cold experience, um, she wrote, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome. And we need the Holy Spirit today. Holy Spirit interprets the word of God. And it is the Holy Spirit that has given us this book called Revelation. And I ask you, if you will, to turn to Revelation as we read together. I believe we've got verses 1 to 3 on the board. But I'm going to read through verse 8. So if you have your electronic Bible or your hard copy, whichever you have with you, let us follow along from verses 1 to verse 8. I don't know what you think about this book of the Bible. There were great Christian men who did not like it. Uh, One was Martin Luther of the Protestant Reformation. Saved by faith and not works, uh, the leader of the Protestant Reformation hung the 99 Theses on the Wittenberg door and who we celebrate today and as All Saints Day today. People don't know that the day after Halloween <laughs> is All Saints Day, but today is All Saints Day. But not all the saints liked this book of the Bible, and one of those was Martin Luther. And he wanted it removed from the canon, which is, in other words, saying the books of of our Bible. Uh, There are others, I think John Calvin never wrote a commentary on this book. John Calvin. I'm not sure if you have, have you ever read the book? Anybody read it from cover to cover? Yeah, a few of you have. Um, I have... um, I grew up hearing this book preached on. It just scared the dickens out of me. The I'll be honest with you. The preachers we had seemed to enjoy scaring the little boys. <laughs> just I just leave church frightened, you know, and the preacher said, Amen, we got him today, you know. Um, this book is not written to frighten you. This book is written to comfort you and to give you courage. Um, This book is written to not only reveal what will come in the near future, but what God is doing right now. And it applies to today. It's not a book about way yonder coming. It's a book that applies to your life and mine right now. We're going to talk about some of that today as we introduce this great book of the Bible, the Revelation of John. Now, how many of you have heard it called the book of Revelations with an S. It's just one revelation, okay? And the word we get for uh, the Greek word where we obtain the word revelation is the word apocalypse, apocalypse. Now, there's a term we're hearing a lot these days. 
we are hearing that we are living in apocalyptic times. And I've noticed for the last, probably the last 20 years, movies that people are seeing in our theaters seem to highlight this emphasis of the end of the world and what it's like after the end of the world. Uh, a lot of the games that students are playing on their uh, computers have to do with the destruction of the world and who is left to survive the destruction of the world. Well, that motif of the end of the world has been around for a long, long time, but it has come into our culture via movies, okay, and games. And so th there is in our culture this sense of apocalypse that all that we know, the world as we know it, is coming to an end, even in music. Uh, how many of you know the song, It's the End of the World as We Know It? <laughs> yeah. Um, that theme is out there, and it's in our culture. And it, what it tells me is people do not have an optimistic view of the future. People have a, a worried outlook about the future. And God's word comes to us who are worried about the outcome of the future to say to us, I got this. I got this. This is how it ends up. And God wins. <laughs> and God's people win because their conquering king, the lion or the lamb, has overcome the kingdoms of this world. And that's what Revelation really is all about. And so it's a very complicated book because it is written in the the genre, if you will, of apocalyptic literature, like a book of Ezekiel or the book of Daniel. So it's not a new style of writing. It's as old as the Old Testament itself, this style of writing. But if you understand that style of writing, which the Jewish people, Jewish Christians had been familiar with in early Christian days, uh, they were familiar with Ezekiel. They were familiar with the images of Daniel and the symbols and the signs and so forth. And so while the book of Revelation may be kind of strange to us, it was not strange to the people who heard it. Now remember, as I've told you before, the Bible was written to be heard more than written to be read. Because the people who heard the word of God could not read. Most Christians did not have the education to read anything. They were slaves. They were servants. They were the poorest of the poor. They were the least of these counted among uh, the population and, and the, uh, well, the, 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 the populace. They were the powerless people of the world. They were the most powerless, powerless, powerless people of the world. And so this letter, and it is a letter, this book of Revelation, is a letter from John, John who also wrote the Gospel of John. And in order to have your gospel in our canon, one of the requirements was that the author was with the Lord. And that the author 
knew the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how the Apostle Paul got his letters in the canon because he was truly with the Lord as well and was taught by Jesus Christ. And so John, who's the author of the Gospel of John and the three letters of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, John is also the author of this book. You will see themes from the Gospel of John in this book, meaning the Lamb. Christ is the Lamb. You'll see that over and over and over again. In fact, that's his most favorite way of picturing Jesus, our Savior and our, and our Lord, and the conqueror of evil. God will conquer all evil through the suffering death of his son Jesus, the Lamb of God. And that's what the Gospel of John is all about. And that's what this book is all about too. So let's not be afraid to, to, to dig in. Let's also be careful that we do not listen to the latest um, writer that's selling the most books at the Christian bookstore because he has the latest insight. Be, let's be careful about that as well. And, and let's, let's pretend that we are the least of these in this world. We are worried about our future. We're concerned about uh, how long we will even get to live because in our day, in our time, Domitian would have been the, the great Caesar and it was illegal to be a Christian and if you were caught being a Christian, it would cost you your life. And so you didn't know how, how long you were going to live. And, and you were in a bind. If you, if you said, Kudios Caesar, Caesar is Christ, Caesar is Lord, then you, you might live. But if you said, Kurios Christos, Christ is Lord, then you might be fed to the lions. You may be burned alive. You, you, you may be drowned. You may be split in two in public in order to discourage other people from following this one called Jesus. So let's be the audience for a while as we study Revelation. Let's be the audience that it was intended for. Let's put ourselves in their shoes. And let's hear this comforting word of God, this encouraging word of God. And it's good to know. I'm not a betting man, but if you were a betting man, it's good to know what the outcome is, isn't it? <laughs> and it's good to know that the outcome is we win. We win. Let us read verses 1 to 8. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his bond servants the things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it, communicated it, signified it. That's where we get the word signs. Now remember, it's John that had the signs in the Gospel of John, right? And this is the word for signs, another clue that John is the author. He sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ even to all that he saw. Blessed. When you read this book, when you listen to this book, God will bless you. God will bless you. If you want a blessing, pull this book out and start reading it. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. The time is near. John, 
to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha, the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Christ is coming again. We're going to break this message up from verses 1 to 8 in three sections. We're going to talk about a review of the Revelation. We're going to review this book a little bit, get an overall picture. We're going to talk about some reasons for the Revelation and some reactions that are appropriate having heard this great book of the Bible. In review, we've learned already some things that this book, this Revelation, is inspired by God and it's all about who? It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Uh, the book calls him the faithful witness. It's about his revelation as a faithful witness. Now, not only was Jesus crucified on a cross, but those who follow Jesus are threatened with martyrdom as well. And the word witness, Jesus was a faithful witness. That term witness is where we get the word martyr. And so those who follow Jesus can expect the same treatment. This is not a book in our Bible for the get-rich-quick Christian preachers. This is not a book for those who, of the health and wealth theology that you hear about and see on TV. The only people making money under those ministries are the people up there preaching. They are mega wealthy. And they're wanting you to give everything you have to them so that they'll be wealthy. And if you don't get wealthy because you don't give such, such seed money, then there's something wrong with you. And there's something wrong with your faith. Folks, that is not the gospel. That is not Bible. That's baloney. That, that's just baloney. That, that's all that is. The Bible says, the words of Jesus, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself daily, and come and follow me. And what happened to Jesus is likely to happen to his followers. You and I need to get courage and take courage and understand that if we live faithfully, we may be martyred. If we live faithfully, we may be persecuted. If we live faithfully, we may suffer. But that's also a sign that we are faithful. That's a sign that we are faithful. Um, it also talks about Jesus in terms of his resurrection. He is called the firstborn from the dead here in these verses we just read. And because he is the firstborn from the dead, that means there's going to be uh, otherborns after him, and that's going to be you, and that's going to be me. So my future is with Jesus. Yes, he was crucified, but he was also raised from the dead. Yes, you and I will die a literal death, 
but yes, we will be raised from the dead. That's our hope, and I'm believing it. Lord, help me when I can't believe it. It's still true because it is the word of God. In talking about Jesus, it, here it talks about his rule. He is called the ruler of the kings of the earth. We talked uh, last Sunday about the kingdom of God and how Jesus is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. This book is all about Jesus, the ruler of the kings of the earth. It talks about his redemption here. It says in these verses, him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood. He is our redeemer. He has bought us back from the sin that has caught us and tempted us and betrayed us. And it also talks about his reign. He has made us a kingdom. We participate in the kingdom of God. We are priests to his God and Father. Glory and dominion are his forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen. This book is about Jesus. Amen. Amen. This book is about Christ returning to this earth. Amen. Amen. This book is about a new heaven and a new earth that we will reign with the Lord because his crucifixion on the cross, his resurrection, is the redemption of the world that he has made. The world that God is putting together for our future is an eternal kingdom. So it's a revelation about God, and it's all inspired by God, and it's all about Jesus Christ. It is a revelation that is understood by the hearers because they understand the signs therein. There are color signs in this book. There are number signs in this book. There are days signs in this book. The word, the number for completeness or perfection is the number seven, uh, relating to the seven days of God's creation. Every symbol that's in the book of Revelation you will find in the Old Testament. Every symbol in the book of Revelation you will find in the Old Testament. And the people who knew their Bible and were listening to this word being read understood what these symbols and signs meant. Now, it is a very complicated book. Um, if you're trying to use this book to predict the future in terms of, well, that's going to happen next in world history and that's going to happen next in world history, you're going to get very confused. But if you understand that God is using through, these, through this, um, uh, this code, if you will, because John has got to get this letter out to the churches in a way that Domitian cannot understand it. And the, the civil uh, authorities cannot read it and say, well, you know, these are Christians. But those who know the code knew what it meant. So that's really what this book is about, using the codes of the colors and the numbers and the days and so forth. The signs that are within this book will help us understand. And we'll go through those as we get further into the book. Let's talk about some reasons for this book, some reasons that he gives us here in this passage of Scripture. The number one reason for this book is simply Christ's return is imminent. The time is near, he said in these passages of Scripture. This is why I'm writing to you. The time is near. You say, well, how could the time be near when it's been 2,000 years since this book was written? Has God forgotten what he's going to do? 
Has he delayed his promises? Has God lied to us? Folks, I want you to know your time on earth is very short and every sign that points to the return of Jesus is repeated in every generation that lives. There need not be another prophecy fulfilled in order for Christ to return. The only thing holding back the return of Jesus Christ is the signal from God the Father. You need to know and you need to be aware that there's two ways Christ is going to return in your lifetime. One, you will die and meet the Lord. Or number two, you will be alive and meet the Lord. Either way, you will meet the Lord. Are you ready to stand before God and give an account of your life? And if you stand before God to give an account of your life and he would ask you, why should I let you into my holy heaven? What would be your response? What would be your answer? Would you claim the blood of Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ? Or would you say, well, I've been a good person. I've tried to live Ten Commandments. I haven't run too many red lights. I sure hadn't killed anybody, and I've been a good person, and so I deserve it. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Christ's return is imminent in your lifetime. Not someday in the by and by. There's two ways you will meet Jesus in eternity. One, you will die and you will meet Jesus. Or number two, Jesus returns and you will meet Jesus. So are you ready? Are you prepared? Christ is coming again. And so he tells us about these things that must soon take place. Secondly, Christ's return is not only imminent, but Christ's return is going to bring a lot of sorrow in this land because there's so much sin and so many people are not repaired. Revelation should make us think of people who would don the clothing and the insignia of a political leader instead of taking up their cross and serving the least of these. Christians have taken up the cross of Christ and we serve the least of these. We are the ones who are preparing for the coming of Christ. There will be no sorrow for us because we are awaiting the return of Jesus Christ. It should make us consider and think of Christians who would, or, or people who would trade their loyalty to the state in return for favors from the state. That's what was happening in Domitian's reign. It's still happening today. We are having an election. It's not the end of the world regardless who wins this election. It does not determine when Christ will return. The only thing that, will that determines the return of Jesus Christ is the decision of God the Father. It should make us think of how the poor, the immigrant, the sick, the neglected, uh, and how our policies uh, support and the apathy of people who claim to know Christ. Are we an apathetic, influential people? Are we apathetic to the least of those around us? Are our hearts moved by the lostness that's around us? Or have we become so apathetic in our wealth that we really don't care? what happens to those who don't know the Lord. It can make us think of leaders who would use the violence of the state while posing with the symbols of the church. 
it would make us wonder, should make us ask, what shall it profit us if we gain the whole world but we lose our own soul? What's your goal in life? Is it to serve the Lord or is it to serve you and to reach your goals for you? Christ's return will be a sorrowful time for those who confuse the salvation of Jesus Christ with a self-serving reason to live. A third reason to think about this book is that it will bring victory. We have the victory. When you're up against the ropes, when life has pinned you to the mat, when reading the news of the world, you feel beat up and defeated, we need the reminder that the end of the story is no contest. Our God will be victorious and we will be a part of the victory parade. And in this context, we understand why the Bible calls us more than conquerors in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Christ is coming again. Verse 8, he said, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Behold, he is coming. He is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. You won't, you won't read about it in the newspaper. You won't hear about it on CNN. It will happen before the eyes of all people of the world at the same time. And there will be no doubt in anyone's mind that this is the Messiah, this is the Christ who was prophesied to come. All the people of the earth, it says in verse 7, will mourn over him because they were not ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Kind of reminds me of the preacher boy was preaching about Revelation had it all memorized, had that sermon memorized. And he, he went to preach the book of Revelation and he said, behold, I come. And his, his mind just went blank like that. Just, he couldn't think of the rest of the sermon. He, he stepped back and he said again, behold, I come quickly. And that's about all he could remember. And finally he backed up one more time. He thought he had it all memorized. Maybe something would clue up the rest of the sermon. And he said, behold, I come, I come quickly. And he stumbled, he fell, and he fell in a sweet lady's lap sitting on the front row. And uh, he just apologized to her and said, sorry, ma'am. I, I'm sorry to, you know, that, that this all happened. She said, well, don't worry about it, son. You warned me three times that you was coming. <laughs> you already warned me. Well, you, want to, you don't want to be caught unprepared. You want to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. How do you react to this news that Jesus is coming again? How do you react to this news that Jesus is coming in? You don't know when he's going to come. Remember, there are two ways you're going to meet Jesus. You're going to die and meet Jesus, or he's going to return and you'll meet Jesus. But we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will all give an account of our life. How do you react to that? Does that encourage you? It sure encourages me. This whole world's wearing on me. <laughs> it really is wearing on me. I'm not old yet, but it's wearing on me. I'm ready for a new heaven and a new earth, aren't you? I'm, I'm ready for something better than what we're having to put up with here. Um, we heard just this morning in our little neighborhood, a friend of ours driving down the street in a little subdivision where we live, 
and somebody fired a shot right through the front windshield of their car, tore the windshield out. Everybody's okay. Nobody was hurt. But, you know, we live in dangerous times. I'm getting tired of it. There's got to be a better world. And, and I really want to say this, and I say it out of a heart of desperation to believe, there better be a resurrection. Or then none of this makes sense. <laughs> you know? There's got to be life eternal or what happened down here doesn't make sense at all. My son who passed away a couple of weeks ago had this motto he always said. He said, someday, Daddy, he said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, what was that all about down there? What was that all about down there? Having lived with a congenital birth defect with red blood cell, born with it, only five people in the world had been diagnosed with what he had. What was that all about down there? Well, the good news is the word of God is a timeless truth, even if I don't believe it. God's word is true, even if I don't believe it. You hear what I'm saying? God is God and he reigns on his throne whether I acknowledge him or not. He is still Lord, he is still God and this is his love letter to us whether I acknowledge it or not. It is truth. and We need truth in our time. We need absolute truth. Truth you can build your life on. Truth you can count on. Truth that will encourage you. Truth that will give you victory in this life. Truth that will help you live for a cause greater than yourself. Truth that will help you understand that it's really not about you. It's about Jesus Christ and our, our uh, allegiance to him and our love for him and our service to him. That's what this real life is all about. God's word is timeless truth. Even if I don't understand it and even if sometimes I don't believe it, it is truth. Secondly, a reaction I need to have is that God's word applies to every generation that has ever been and every generation that will ever be. You cannot say, this book does not apply to me. If there's ever a book of the Bible that's as relevant as the watch on your arm, uh, this book is. It's relevant for your life and relevant for your time. Next Sunday, we will venture into the message of Revelation to the churches, these seven churches. And these seven churches represent all churches in all times. And the struggles that the churches have are the struggles that you have. It's so easy to talk about they at the church. Folks, I am the church. You are the church. And this book is speaking directly to you, directly to you the struggles you have, and the ways to, to correct the course that you are on. So God's word applies, and this book is relevant right now. Thirdly, God's word speaks to our past, our present, and our future. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He who was, who is, and who is to come, the almighty. It speaks to all time and eternity. Fourthly, God's goodness will always be at war with evil. We will never win the culture war. 
you hear that a lot on TV. We're fighting the culture war. Give us more money. We're fighting the culture war. Someday we're going to win the culture war. Our culture's going to win. Our culture will never win until Jesus returns. The one who won the culture war is Jesus. We will always be a minority in this world. We strive to make it a better place. We strive to be pro-life. We strive to uh, minister to the least of these. We strive for justice. We strive for peace. We strive for everything that the kingdom of God stands for. But understand, our enemy is not the state. Our enemy is the evil that uses the state. And the state will use the church. Be careful when you're being used by politicians. Amen? Thank you. God's goodness will always be at war with evil. That's what this book teaches us until the final consummation of the age when God decides to wrap it all up. Well, why is he taking so long? Why is he waiting? He is waiting so you will get on the right side. You, want to, you don't want to be caught on the wrong side of this, of this cosmological battle. You don't want to be caught on the wrong side. You want to be on the side of righteousness. You want to be on the side of God. And number five, knowing that Jesus is coming back helps me uh, not to get too caught up in the temporary things of this world. Now, I, I get an anchoring for things I'd like to have. i really like to have an old pickup truck. I, I really would. I don't have a pickup truck. Christmas is coming, honey. <laughs> I'd like to have an old pickup truck. I, I'd like to have a, a boat to fish in, you know, and all those things. I'd like to have this and I'd like to have that. And then reality hits me and says, one day I'm going to leave all that behind. And what I'm going to in the future cannot compare to the things of this world that I called important or valuable. Streets going to be paved with all that gold. We've got a glorious future coming. Hang on. Somebody made the statement, courage comes, courage comes like waves. Hang on for the next supply. Hang on for the next wave. It comes in waves. And God's grace comes to you with courage. Hang on for the next supply. And when you feel like you just barely hang on, hang on because the next supply of grace is coming. And so we watch and we live with great hope. You cannot live without hope. You put a baby in a crib and, and don't touch it, it will die. Because you and I are made for contact with people and future and hope. And our hope is sealed in Jesus Christ. And all of the messages, the stories of the opening of the seals and the history of the future that we're going to talk about here is all about hope. I've got hope. I've got hope. I've talked to Marlene already and, and Abby and 
and they're going to sing alto, and I need some soprano, I need some sopranos and alto and tenor. But one day we're we're going to sing a, a gospel song up here, and it goes like this: I'll meet you in the morning by the bright riverside, when all sorrow has drifted away. I'll be standing at the portals when the gates open wide. At the close of life's long, dreary day. And that's when Marlene starts singing the tenor, I mean the, the alto. We watch and we live in great hope. We have an eternity that we're going to live in. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this book of encouragement. And also a book of challenge to be faithful. We've got it made and yet we don't have it made. We know how the end is going to end. But we know not what today will bring. We know the outcome. But we know not what we'll have to deal with next. But your promise is true. Even when we find it hard to believe, your promise is true that you have revealed to us in this revelation a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And he who is eternal will reign forever and ever. There will be no more death. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. For the evil of this world has died and has been conquered through the Lamb. The sweet, precious blood of the Lamb of God. And ours is the victory. God, have mercy upon us when we act like we're losers. When we give up, when we quit. God, forgive us when we're tempted to love this world more than we love you. God, forgive us when all we live for is what we can accumulate and store up in bigger barns. Have mercy, Lord change our direction. Help us to repent. Help us to have hearts of repentance. Hearts of consecration. Hearts of devotion to Christ. And to pay whatever sacrifice we are called upon to pay so that Jesus be honored by the way we live and the way we die. That's what life comes down to. Lord, to be glorified in this invitation time. May Jesus be honored by every decision that's made. I pray that some adult would just get up out of that chair and say, I need Jesus, and come forward and sit right here on this pew in the front row and give their life to Jesus. I pray some student will come up here and say, I need Jesus. I need Christ in my life. I'm living for me. I'm not living for the Lord. I pray that revival will break out. Lord, you'll set us on fire 
and that that fire will burn and glow this week and everybody that sees and knows us will say, they've been with the Lord. They've been with the Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.